This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day. My contributor, none other than Adrian Lawrence, author, attorney at law, and TYT contributor. Should be an amazing breakdown. Top story of the day. Trump appointed federal judge may have committed obstruction of justice by ruling in favor of Donald Trump as it relates to the special master that will now oversee what documents are in and what documents are out. Let me give you a background to this. Let's put up the picture of the federal judge, give some background to who she is. This is Eileen Mercedes Cannon. Judge Cannon is a United States District Judge for the Southern District of Florida. She was nominated by Donald Trump and confirmed by the United States Senate in 2020. So this particular US District Judge cleared the way for a third party attorney to review all seized materials. Not just documents covered by the attorney client privilege, the circumstance in which special masters are usually used, but also for potential executive privilege concerns, a move that the Justice Department says would be unprecedented. Let me explain why this would be an unprecedented move here. A special master in cases like this is pretty routine. It's not abnormal to have a special master, especially when there has been an admission from both sides that confidential information between the attorney and the client may have been part of what was seized. The special master comes in and says, all right, this is clearly Attorney-client privilege, this is clearly not, and you put that on the other side. Here's the reality, if an attorney engaged in illegal conversation, meaning they have become part of the conspiracy, that is not protected under the federal rules of evidence, nor the bar as privileged conversation. Now here's the other part that's unbelievable, this Trump bat judge, has literally said basically that the special master can also determine dynamics related to executive privilege. Meaning conversations between the president and advisors, etc. could be protected. The reason why that's unprecedented is because it is unsettled law. This is not settled as far as the reach of the presidential privilege responsibility. You see, there's a school of thought that says the current president is the one who can actually protect or the current president is the one who can benefit from this thing known as executive privilege, not a former president. Remember, where was executive privilege 
when Nixon was literally being recorded. The reason why it did not protect Nixon is because Nixon was engaged in an illegal conversation. According to the narrative of his political opponents, some political allies and also the prosecutors. There's more. Here's some key takeaways from this entire ruling. Here's what happens next, a significant win for Trump, many are calling it. The primary takeaway is simple, the ruling is a major legal win for Trump. According to legal analyst, Trump filed a lawsuit seeking a special master to review the materials that the FBI seized last month. And now one will be appointed with the potential to decide that certain materials are out of bounds to the FBI's investigation. Remember, this is the investigation. We're not talking about rules allowed in the courtroom. We're talking about the investigation. So Judge Cannon bought into the skepticism, the skepticism of Trump's lawyers when they raised the issue about the search at the Florida resort. As they questioned whether investigators could be trusted to properly filter through the thousands of documents that were seized, the judge rejected the Justice Department's assurances that his internal filter team had already sorted out materials that could be subject to attorney client privileges. Now remember, they've already gone through the material. You have to understand this. This is not about what the federal government is able to review. They've already reviewed it, they've admitted to it. They say, listen, we've already done this part. We have filtered out what is actually protected and what is not. So this is not about the knowledge of what the federal government is aware of. This is about what can be used as an investigative standard and what can ultimately be introduced in the court of law. Is it not ironic that the same individual who believes he can steal classified information from the United States government to deem them to be non-confidential because he stole them. He's the same person literally advocating to make sure that his conversations are classified in a sense and remain confidential. Even though his actions are contrary to that as it relates to classified government material, there's more. Ultimately, the special master may merely lead to a delay in the federal investigation into Trump's taking to Mar-a-Lago, taken from Mar-a-Lago, but it now introduces a new layer of uncertainty into the entire investigation. The former president did not get absolutely everything he asked for. The judge did not rule that any material seized from his home should be returned to him, for instance. And here's another dynamic that is fascinating to me. Trump immediately came out and said, hey, they stole my passports. They need to return them. Remember that? He had a whole press release about it. Went on his truth social to provide context to them stealing his passport as he put it. Well, guess what he did when he said that? He identified himself as the custodial owner of those papers. You see, many times the federal government, when they seize documents, they will look for what's called identifying marks to prove who was the custodian of the records. By Donald Trump admitting that he knew his passports were in the same location as these classified documents, he has nailed himself as the custodial owner of classified illegal and stolen material. There's more. Both sides were told to file a joint filing by Friday, spelling out their answers to these questions based on how the case has progressed so far. It seems unlikely that the two sides will agree on much. They will both be able to put in writing their ideas on how they want this to move forward. It's going to be interesting to see. 
plans to review for executive privilege. Trump had said that a special master review needed to go beyond documents covered by the attorney client privilege and that materials covered through the executive privilege should be filtered out as well. So this was his request. You see executive privilege refers to private communications presidents have with their advisors and other types of internal communications within the executive branch that are withheld from public release. While disputes over the privilege have come in congressional investigations, the reaches of executive privilege, particularly when a former president is arguing it, should apply when a current president is declining to assert it is unsettled law. So let's go to the American Enterprise Institute. They say, noted that the, that Judge Cannon should not have even taken the case in the first place. Said, and I quote, it was in the hands of the magistrate judge. She was picked by Trump's lawyer solely because she was a Trumpist in a jurisdiction nowhere near Mar-a-Lago. She has in effect engaged herself in obstruction of justice according to this organization. Steve Vladek, who serves as the Charles Allen Wright chair in federal courts at the University of Texas Law School called the ruling preposterous. He highlighted and I quote, the part where it blocks the government from continuing to use materials already in its possession. At the very least, the last ruling creates an immediately appealable injunctive like order, which the DOJ can now take to the 11th circuit. They are likely to get a favorable review based on the 11th circuit historical context. Well. Fascinating, they judge shopped, which is really frowned upon, but they were allowed to do it. Um, attorney at law, what are your thoughts on this? And do the other legal experts, are they onto something that this judge may have engaged in obstruction? So it'd be difficult ever to prove anything about obstruction against a judge in particular. But what we do know is that the order that this judge issued, Eileen Cannon, that it's absolute nonsense. It doesn't follow legal precedent at all. It completely and totally strays from what the law is. A lot of it is convoluted and it is not at all reflective of what this judge can do. I believe she worked at Gibson Dunn, which is one of the most high profile law firms in the country, as well as being a clerk for an Eighth Circuit US Court of Appeals judge, she knows how to analyze the law and how to apply it. Yet she's opted to do something that completely and totally bastardizes the law and doesn't comport with it at all. It really says to us that she is engaging in a dereliction of duty at the same time. The thought of actually prosecuting a judge for obstruction would be very difficult unless you had some kind of smoking gun, an email or something that said, I'm going to rule in a way that favors Trump regardless of what the law and the facts hold. And it's so incredibly disheartening because Cannon initially came into the situation seeing seeming somewhat objective, demanding that Trump's team explain why they came to her as opposed to Reinhardt in the court that they should have gone to. And so she actually seemed like she wanted to pull the law, but something's definitely changed since that point in time. And the problem is that we have adjusted the system that does allow people to be above the law because nothing is happening that would stop that from going on right now. And it's extremely disheartening, especially since going to the 11th Circuit means you're gonna have six Trump appointed judges up there on that court of appeals that will be looking over this order. Yeah, well said. All right, we're gonna continue to follow it obviously to the ultimate conclusion. You know, I'm sick and tired of people who do not have heart who do not have the ability to simply look at a situation and provide a human lens, a Popeye's 
manager, a staff member at Popeyes decided to call the police on a young college student who had the audacity to purchase a meal for a homeless individual. He was simply unsheltered and they told her her money was no good. Here's the video. So this homeless man, I'm trying to order a two piece dinner for them. Well, may I speak to the manager? Hold on. Popeyes don't let you order for him. He's asking for food. No, ma'am, you why, can't do it. Why? No. He's asking for food. Ma'am, you can't do it. I don't care nothing about you recording me, baby. May I have your name so I can let the people know? I didn't ask this lady for nothing. Okay. That's heartless as hell. Now, there's more video, and I will provide some context to this. Here it is. They called the cops on me, everything, bro. Easy. I can't order for this homeless man right here who asked for food. He didn't ask for nothing. He didn't even ask for no money. And then they've been so rude. Like, this is crazy. Hey. My name's Jazz. And uh, thanks, to, thanks to the Glow Joe, Twins, yeah. I, I, got, I got famous. I do art every day out here on Ponce. Uh-huh. And the, the manager in the, in the, in the Popeye, she, she turned this lady down. She offered me something to eat. Think about the insanity of this. You have a man who is experiencing a tough time. It happens, it's life. You have a young lady, she's a senior at Georgia State University. She does the right thing. She says, let me buy you something to eat. She engages the staff at Popeyes and they decide to tell her she's not allowed to make that purchase, contrary to the rules contrary to the policy of Popeyes that comes out later. The police are then called. Remember, as I've said before, if it's not an emergency situation, you are calling the police because you're saying you need a gun to show up at the situation. What was a gun needed for here? No reason, no reason whatsoever. Let me provide some more background. Put up the picture of this amazing young leader, okay? Her name is Miss Ortega. She's a senior at Georgia State University. So this Georgia State University student says workers at an Atlanta Popeyes called the police on her after she tried to buy food for a man experiencing homelessness. GSU senior Ortega told Fox 5, Rob D. Rienzo, that she was picking up an order for DoorDash at the Popeyes near Ponce de Leon Avenue. When she noticed a man off to the side who looked hungry, when she went to order him a two-piece, employees at the store were not happy. There's more. The officer pulled me to the side and said, I really thank you for doing that. Thank you for buying him food. I appreciate that, Ortega said. Ortega says they eventually got a hold of a general manager at the store who felt terrible about the whole thing. He ended up letting her and the man order anything they wanted that night free of charge. Big ups to that manager. Popeyes told Fox 5 News, a local affiliate in Atlanta, in the statement that they, and I quote, are committed 
to treating everyone with dignity and respect, adding, we have ensured all employees at this restaurant have been provided with retraining to help navigate a range of guest interactions, such as the situation highlighted in the video. Let me say this to those who are working at Popeyes. Shame on you, shame on you. We're all in this together. Now, I'm not convinced that Popeyes corporate is just in love with the unsheltered. I don't buy that. I understand the public relations response, which was required due to the scene being recorded. I get that. If you work a job, and I say this about police and anybody, if you work a job where you shed your decency and humanity in order to transact business, you should not work that job. What in the hell was it going to harm if this young lady purchased a meal for this man who was temporarily unsheltered? Here's the other thing, I've worked in fast food before. I've worked at multiple fast food restaurants, I've worked as a waiter. I've done all of that hard work, the hardest work that I've ever experienced in my life. That's why you respect those in the service industry, it's hard work. So I get it, it's hard work. At the end of every shift, what do you do at the end of every shift? There's food left over. You throw that food away after first making sure nobody who works there wants to take it home. That's the way it works everywhere. Has anybody accused you of stealing? Has anybody said you can't do that? Has anybody said, no, you must not take this food home because we need to put it in a trash can? Damn it, it's food that was being paid for by a customer of Popeyes. I hope this is a lesson for everyone involved. Obviously, the management, they are in disagreement with how the staff operated here. Let me go to Adrian Lawrence. Adrian. The police said we're not arresting anybody because nobody committed an offense here. Um, but obviously, whoever called the police at Popeyes thought a crime had taken place. Any crime here at all? I know. I, I think the only crime is filing a false police report, is wasting yeah. uh, resources of law enforcement in the city to have a situation where this woman working in Popeyes just simply did not want an unhoused person to be fed. This is very, very disheartening and scary. It's so sad that. So many members of our society think it's okay to not only ensure that other people go without food, but to essentially proactively get in the way and avoid someone who's unhoused from being able to enjoy a meal that has been paid for. There's no issues, as you've noted, in terms of putting it, handing it out directly from Popeyes, which we've seen lawsuits and things like that, which is why oftentimes people will put it in a dumpster or put it near a dumpster so other people can access it if they are hungry. None of those factors were here. It was someone simply looking to pay and to improve someone's day and situation. So the thought that this Popeye's employee felt the need to interject and to call law enforcement. It really does speak to their character. Yeah, and listen to the young brother, to the brother who's temporarily unsheltered. Let me say this to you. What you are experiencing is not a personal failure, it is a policy failure. Okay, understand that. And it will take better policy in order to correct or remedy that situation. And I'm going to add a very quick personal story. Nine years ago, I went to an Applebee's on Memorial Drive in Atlanta, Georgia, actually DeKalb County. Went to this Applebee's, I saw an unsheltered man outside. I was by myself, I said, brother, just come in with me, sit down with me and I'll buy you a meal. 
When we sat down, literally the manager came and said, I could not buy food for him. I said, this is my uncle. Was it true? Of course not, he was my uncle in the spirit in that moment. I said, this is my uncle, wherever I sit, he sits. They went and got the police who was a security guard, but a cop in regular life. Cop comes to me with his gun and his badge, he says, sir, you both are gonna have to get out. I said, I'm not moving until I get my food. The brother who was with me, the unsheltered man, believed we were going to get arrested. I said, listen, if we get arrested, I'm going to get arrested with you. And I got bail money for us both. We were able to order our food. We were able to eat and we left the establishment. Now, naturally, I never went back to that establishment. I wanted him to feel that he had an advocate in the world. You cannot lose your humanity because you got a little change or because you got a job. Don't lose your humanity because every single one of us, we may be one or two paychecks away from being in that same situation. Keep that in mind. All right. Okay, my kind of mayor, black mayor has been targeted, is now under criminal investigation because he decided to remove Confederate monuments that he had permission to remove. Let me go to the first video, here it is. Yo, it's time for this monument to come down. People voted, I tried with a hammer, that wasn't enough. So now here come the tractors, drive it down. Yes sirs, yes sirs, yes sirs. Death to the Confederacy around here. Push that little one over too, bro. All of it. Not in my town, not on my watch. Not in my town, not on my watch. Damn, that's what I'm talking about. I got more video, here it is. Death of the Confederate in this town. We're just, we're just tied off right here where I tied that piece at. Let me give you background to this courageous, progressive black mayor who is now under criminal investigation because he did what he was empowered to do. I'll explain all of this. Put up the picture of Mayor Mundell here. This is Mayor Mundell Robinson. Mundell Robinson is the mayor of Enfield, North Carolina. He is now under state investigation after he tore down a Confederate monument. Now remember, he had permission to do this, I'm going to explain that. The town commissioners voted, they approved removing the monument within its jurisdiction. Mayor Robinson could now face criminal charges for personally seeing to its removal. So let me take you back to August, in early August, okay? Early August, infield town commissioners voted four to one. Count that, four to one, to do what? To remove the monument. And Mayor Robinson, he was at the meeting. He assured them it would cost nothing to the town. As a matter of fact, he said it won't cost the town a dime. I got this, it won't cost you a penny. Robinson says he spent a day on August 21st, 2022, trying to tear the monument down and recorded himself doing so on Facebook Live, of course, why would he not? He has the approval of the city commissioners by way of a vote 
that is legally binding. There's more. Let's put up the chief of police who's on the left and the Republican or conservative, should I say, DA. Enfield Police Chief James Ayers and Andrew Murray, the conservative DA for North Carolina's 47, 42nd Prosecutorial District, requested the state investigate the mayor. Now, I want to remind you, you see the police chief on the left? That police chief works under the mayor and the commission. He decided to team up with the DA and request that the mayor be investigated for getting rid of a racist monument. Mayor Robinson doesn't know why his own town's police chief requested the state to investigate him. Atlanta Black Star received a statement from the North Carolina Bureau of Investigation, which says on Sunday, August 21st, 2022, the SBI received requests from the Enfield police chief and the DA to investigate property damage at the park in Enfield. Now remember, the property is owned by the city, okay? The investigation remains ongoing. Once the investigation is complete, the case will be submitted to the DA for review. The DA will determine whether criminal charges are appropriate, not the SBI. What? We're talking about city property within the city limits. The city voted to remove the damn thing because it's racist and could create rioting. And they did so. And the mayor, he was bold about it. That's what this is about. I want you to understand it. He was in your face with it. He celebrated the toppling of their monument. Now he's under criminal investigation. Since the monument's removal, the loyal white knights, let's put it up. The loyal white knights of the KKK, which is the largest, most active group of the KKK, they have decided to release various flyers. The flyer reads, white people of infield, you have let an N-word tyrant stomp on your white heritage. What will you do? Don't let them get away with anything. Put up the picture of the chief and the DA again. You see, both of you are on the side of the KKK. Please understand where you are right now. Both of you are on the side of the KKK. The Ziploc bag also contains seeds and kernels. Uh, mayor Robinson, who's a progressive, by the way, and founder of the Black Male Voter Project, was elected mayor of Enfield, North Carolina, May 17, 2022. Enfield has about 2,350 residents, 85 to 90% are black. Robinson said he ran for mayor because he wanted to be a voice for black residents who are facing threats from gentrification. Another concern of his is the threat of white nationalists unsettling his majority black town by rallying behind a Confederate monument in a town park. Now, let me give you some background to the law that they're trying to get him hung up on. In 2015, the state of North Carolina passed a law. They passed a law declaring monuments, racist monuments in particular, memorials and works of art owned by the state may not be removed, owned by the state, okay? They cannot be moved, 
They cannot be relocated, they cannot be altered without approval of the North Carolina Historical Commission. However, there are some exceptions to the rule. Mayo Robinson cites the Confederate monument posed a safety risk, which is a provision in the law. Okay, so you can remove them if it provides a safety risk. And the mayor adds that the monument was owned by the city and not by the state. Despite the ongoing investigation, Mayor Robinson stands by his decision to personally remove the Confederate monument and feels he is within the law. He also believes its removal is a good move for the majority black town in which he received 76% of the vote to beat out an incumbent mayor this past spring. But look at that. When you have the narrative, the law, the people, everything on your side, they still find a way through a very, very small loophole to try to put a black leader in his place. Well, it won't work, dear brother, because I'm supporting you. There are many others who are standing with you, standing for you and advocating for your city to continue to progress without the detriment and the disease of racism overtaking it. Um, attorney, what are your thoughts here? Well, I think that this is all, this is just antics. Uh, the thought is that they need to keep him in his place, to put him in his place. And that's really what is being signaled and said. Because if they were all working toward a common goal, which is to the humanity of those people that they're supposed to serve, then there would be no issue about him removing that monument. No, this is the focus here of leadership in this town it appears to be a matter of let me make sure that you stay in your place. And too often do we see this. And, you know, and also seeing members of the KKK leave these flags. It's just so interesting to me how it says white people, they're attacking your heritage of Confederate monuments. Confederates were losers. So if your heritage is being a loser, to act this way really just signals that this is exactly who you are in terms of having this loser mentality and not wanting any person who is black or in a position of power or authority to actually be able to do their job. No, the main goal here seems to be to put him in his place. And it tells you that the leadership isn't there for the people. Yeah. And here's the thing, when they say this is white heritage, listen, white people, I need you to reject that. Your heritage, your historical heritage does not have to be connected to white racist people. You can push back on that narrative just as we can, and I encourage you to do so. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone about aspiration. Taking action against climate change can sometimes feel overwhelming. But every little step towards a more sustainable lifestyle counts. Here's what you can do. Open up an account with aspiration.com, great partnership. You have the chance to reduce and mitigate your carbon footprint, fight climate change, and give forest and animals another chance. Go to aspiration.com forward slash TYT to sign up. All right, let's make that happen. Okay, Jojo H says, so doctor, any president can just get favors from judges. They appoint question mark. The Republican party is destroying all branches of government. Yeah, yeah, make see the silver hair dragon. You know how some in that town feel about removing something celebrating racism, we know how they feel. It wasn't bad enough that it was to be removed, but a black man removing it was a double threat to the racist, right? That's what it was. He did it boldly, he wasn't 
you know, let's put on a suit and tie and hold a press conference today and talk about what we were able to do at four o'clock in the morning last night. No, he went on Facebook Live and said, get that ish up out of here. All right, Snack Panther, guilty. Uh, Donald Donald Chunks needs to be locked up with R. Kelly. That's right. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, the voodoo you do, I swear, why do people care what other people do with their money? That to me was the most infuriating part of that ordeal. Like, wait a minute, you're gonna tell me what I can and cannot do with my money when I purchase food from a fast food restaurant? Doesn't make sense at all. Um, Snack Panther says, all skin folk, ain't you kin folk? Spiritually protected tar- uh, tarot. Uh, oh my God, I'm from Enfield and I didn't know about this. I know the statues and the KKK um, are active there. I remember different things they have done in the past. Uh, Moon Dragon, thank you, Moon Dragon. Uh, gifted five indisputable with Dr. Shaw Richard memberships. Thank you for that. Um, so welcome, Naomi, Don, Spectrophonic, Tyler, and Risden. We welcome you. Also, Nadine, welcome to Indisputable. Okay, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free! of carrots. Once again, white on white poolside crime is out of control in America. We have more. Savages is what they are. Okay, uh, this was at a pool party connected to a hotel, according to the narrative we have so far. Um, details are not plenty right now. Let's put up one of the graphics here. Uh, it seems as if it revolved around these two individuals, and then it became much more massive after that. We have already determined a few things in our Karenicity handbook. One, when there is a Karen and other Karens are around, they will engage in Karenicity as well when there's a Karen in distress. We've already documented this on multiple occasions. What it seems may have happened here 
you have two very different but similar Karen factions. And they decided to emerge at one time and it created what we saw in front of us. Uh, this may have adversely impacted the space time continuum. We're trying to look into that as we speak. All right, Adrian, thoughts here. Okay, so too often when we see Karens in the wild, and they're, uh, you know, it's just clear to me that they're getting on their ego drive. Those women should be there looking with the goal to have a good time and to enjoy whatever the party is for the purpose of being in the pool. But instead, all of a sudden it becomes a matter of I need to feel I have an upper hand on you, or I need to feel that I can control your whereabouts, your ongoings. It's just, it's so incredibly sad because so many people miss out on simply being able to have a good time because they're investing so much in chaos that'll stroke their ego. And so so I really hope that these Karens get help and that this kind of stuff doesn't go on because summer doesn't go for very long, even though it seems to be stretching out right now. Yeah, yeah, quite insane. Obviously, a lot of children were around. Somebody could have just walked away, left it. It seems as if nobody wanted to, everybody wanted to engage. And then the people who were there kind of stroking it along, they were not helpful either. Okay. Got something for you. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell there's an African American man threatening my life. Yeah, okay, that is in fact a criminal offense. Now here's the thing, arguments happen, disagreements will take place. You may order something, the order is wrong. Maybe a worker is not paying attention to you, you gotta get their attention, whatever it may be, okay? It happens, it's life. But engaging in this kind of behavior beyond the argument is why you are on indisputable. Here's the part I really don't like when people do things like that. They are doing it because they realize that somebody in that establishment, they have to now clean it up. And this is basically, this is akin to somebody maybe throwing something on the ground and saying, clean it up. Because they look at individuals who work in service related industries as a lower status than they are. Remember, this is a lot, this has a lot to do with status dynamics connected to the Karens we cover. I don't like this particular move. We've seen it many times by many Karens. When they don't get their way, or they feel as if they're losing the argument, they decide to start throwing merchandise on the floor, or they will break things in protest. Well, that is because they are saying, you're gonna have to clean this up, not me. Okay, well, that's fine. Now, you've been highlighted on this show. So Karen, you're gonna have to clean this up. It's not on me, it's on you. There you have it. Thoughts here.
No, I completely agree with you. When these people don't end up getting their way, they engage in this behavior. And it's the whole, well, let me try to one up you, put you in your place, remind you that you have to clean this up and that I can just walk away. And so having to deal with the consequences of being put on blast is so incredibly important. Because these people out here trying to maintain this persona of being a decent person, when they are caught on camera engaging in these antics, they have to then defend and explain why they decided to be utterly toxic in this public establishment when they could have just walked away, not taken it personally and not acted up. But they opted to engage in these antics and they should have to defend them. Well said. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Always good to be with you. We got a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone of our sister Unbossed with Nina Turner is coming. If everyone watching live right now can just take a moment, go to youtube.com forward slash unbossed TYT. I need you to subscribe. That's going to give Senator Nina Turner a big boost before her show launches on October 17th. Subscribe to Unboss with Nina Turner. Get ready to tune in daily at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, starting October 17th. YouTube.com forward slash Unbossed TYT. All right, let's read some of the comments. IM Sock says we need to isolate the chemical transmitter that Karen's expelled to anger each other and develop an antidote. That's what it is. There's a particular pheromone. That goes out when there's a Karen in distress that only other Karens can recognize. You're right, we're getting somewhere now. Next TYT reporter says, similar to a height chart, we may need a maturity chart for pools. <laughs> you must be this mature to swim in the pool. Also, rule number one, no Karens. You know, I need to, that's what I need to do. If I own a restaurant, what I'm gonna do is have on the front door, no, Karen, no Karens allowed. That should do it. Um, the glass of shut up juice, tall glass of shut up juice says, that's a criminal offense of a two year old, sheer trash. Yeah. C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Hey, somebody tell their Karen they can't put vodka in that restaurant so they can't put it in your drink. Okay. All right. A racist individual decides to harass a FedEx driver. Here's the video. the assault and the racial slurs, he then decides to take a package, all right? So let's do it this way. Let's highlight a screenshot here of the individual who was the victim. This is a Michigan situation. A Michigan man may now face a hate crime charge for attacking a FedEx driver, stealing his deliveries 
and calling him the N word repeatedly. The FedEx driver, his name is Terrell Lipsy, caught the assault on August 27 in Michigan on his dash cam video, shared it with the media. The driver said the man called him the N word at least twice, rambled about his dog, and at one point said he would the uh, sick the animal on Mr. Lipsy. He said the attack didn't stop there, there's more background. Lipsy said the man then began following him to homes and stealing packages. Imagine the fear of this FedEx worker. One of the thefts was caught on a ring doorbell camera. Neighbor Andrew Moore, who captured the video, said there were medical supplies inside of that package for his sister and those medical supplies were taken. A FedEx spokesperson said the company is, and I quote, both saddened and outraged by the behavior exhibited in this video. And our first concern is for the driver involved. We are staying connected with him and offering our support. We also have verified that a police report was filed and an investigation is underway to further address this incident. So let's go to the police. The police said the assailant was on meth and was taken to the hospital to be treated for a mental condition. Well, look at that. Reports show the suspect was arrested and authorities are considering charging him with assault and battery, ethnic intimidation, illegal entry, larceny, and malicious destruction of property. They're considering it. I mean, they're, they're, they're talking about it amongst themselves. Now, I want to contrast here. He obviously committed criminal offenses. He obviously engaged in felony theft, likely felony assault, general harassment, stalking, everything else, right? He did these things on video, it's clear. But what did the officers do when they responded? They said, wait a minute, this poor guy, he's obviously high, he's on meth. So let's not criminalize him, let's go ahead and make this a mental health issue, even though it was called in as a criminal issue. Now let's compare what happened recently in the state of Georgia to a 911 call that was a mental health call. Where the young lady was diagnosed as schizophrenic. The grandparents that called the police, they said our daughter just needs some help, our granddaughter just needs help. She ended up being dead and still unanswered questions from that. Or how about the countless stories we've covered right here on Indisputable when 911 received a call for a mental health emergency and the individual who happened to be black or brown, they were killed by the hands of law enforcement. Or what about the millions of cases across this country where individuals are suffering a mental health issue in that moment? They are simply taken to jail, prosecuted and handed over to prison. But not in this case, in this case, Police officers were able to ascertain the person was high. So obviously they could not be responsible for their behavior, according to the police. So they decided to take them in for a mental health evaluation. And they are considering possibly, perhaps, maybe in the future, filing charges. We covered a similar story, even more dramatic than this one. Remember this story, back in February, we reported 
on a story where a black FedEx driver, Mr. Gibson, was shot at in Mississippi by a father-son duo. And what happened to them? These were similar tactics. And initially, they were not charged. They later did get charged, but they were not charged with attempted murder. And the FedEx that this young black male worked for said that he had to come back to work and work that same route and he refused to do so. That was the story back then. FedEx had a different response back then than the response today. Maybe a difference between corporate and local, but still the same company at the center. All right, Adrian, this is interesting. Please help me understand why is it that the police decided to respond to this matter as a mental health response when it was a 911 call for a criminal emergency? It's just, it's very interesting to me who gets the benefit of the doubt in our society, whose humanity is readily apparent, who law enforcement and the system goes out of their way to ensure is cared for and treated with the utmost dignity and respect. And we often see that it is not black people, but it's generally white people. And including when the white person is the assailant, is the criminal, is engaged in behavior that is threatening society. And it's just, it's incredibly, incredibly disheartening as well as pathetic, especially the system that says justice is blind and that everyone should be treated equally. Yeah, they should, but it's clearly not the case of how it actually ends up playing out. You know, my, my law school professor would be fuming right now because he's the one that taught me, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Adrian. When you engage in a legal activity, like let's say drinking too much then driving, you are criminally and civilly responsible, even if you're out of your mind. You are criminally and civilly responsible if something adverse happens because you engage in the initial action that you knew could lead to this kind of outcome. Why is it that if the person happens to be high, he is no longer, according to the current narrative of law enforcement, responsible for the product that comes after him getting high? Tell me the difference here, if you could. Oh, there's no difference. It's just selective application of the law. These officers and I'm sure whoever the DA is just using their judgment to decide of who they want to apply the law to and who they don't. Because it is absolutely correct that if you ingest something knowingly, whatever the consequences are is a you issue. And the fact that they don't want to hold this person accountable for their behavior. Again, I do very much appreciate the use of discretion and deciding when you should enforce the law and shouldn't. But it's just interesting how those uh, how those who enjoy the benefit of the law not being enforced tend to look a certain way, particularly when their victim also looks a certain way. That's right, and that's the point we're trying to bring home here. Interesting, another ad, it is a racist ad, a pro-police and anti-black ad has been now the new thing for conservatives to brag about. Here it is. For nearly 30 years, crime was falling in the United States. No more. The national murder rate is at its highest in 25 years. Result of far left policies that leave innocent Americans at the mercy of violent criminals. You've seen the images. 
Subway riders pushed onto tracks by the violently deranged. Stores being looted in broad daylight. Elderly women viciously beaten on the street and outside their homes. Gang shootings turning cities into war zones. Hardened criminals rampaging without fear. No fear of arrest. No fear of prosecution. No fear of jail. No fear of any consequence at all. Instead, you are made to live in fear. Woke progressive prosecutors are releasing dangerous predators before trial. Woke far-left politicians have allowed our streets and parks to be overrun with crime and drugs. Police have been made into the enemy and criminals into a protected class. Violent crime is up 21% in Washington, D.C., 35% in Chicago, 41% in New York City, and murders are up 207% in Portland. Cities in chaos, billions in property damages, lives and families destroyed. Stop the woke war on police. Stop the far-left assault on public safety. Stop the radical left-wing love affair with criminals. Stop the insanity. Citizens for Sanity paid for this ad. Citizens for Sanity. You all are cowards. Providing false commentary. Fake news, I call you, but I got receipts here. All right, you see what they did, right? You see what they did? They wanted you, whoever watched that commercial, they want the watchers of that commercial to readily identify criminal and black. They want to criminalize blackness. Now, what they also did to save themselves, so to speak, is they put a black person in the beginning and a black person on the end of the commercial that seemed non-criminal in their narrative. In order to say, well, how can we be racist? We are putting up decent black people in the beginning and the end of the video, okay? That's a manipulation. It lets you know they are engaged in intentional manipulation. Let me give you some facts here. Let me give you a real breakdown of crime stats, contrary to what this video seems to support. In a report titled Race and Hispanic Origin of Victims and Offenders, 2012 to 2015, the DOJ's Bureau of, Bureau of Justice Statistics found that a majority of most violent crimes were committed by people who are of the same race as their victims. Indeed, the rate of white on white crime, violent crime, it found, is about four times the rate of black on white crime. Black people are over policed. Study after study has shown very clearly that police are more likely to search black motorists after traffic stop. Even though those same studies found that white motorists are far more likely to be in possession of illicit drugs or weapons. This is true all over the country in North Carolina, in St. Louis, Vermont, Nashville, Milwaukee, in San Diego, San Diego and in Boston, according to verified research and reports. Black people resist cops less than white people. A new cache of data, new data shows very clearly. The Chicago Police Department shows that the claim that black people are more likely to face police violence because of non-compliance is actually a dreadful myth. According to the new number, Chicago cops 
use more force against black citizens on average than any other race. Even though black citizens tended to exercise less resistance than whites, according to their own data. Under the same circumstances and faced with the same level of danger, cops tended to resolve the situation without firing their weapons much more often for white citizens than black citizens based on their own data. Black people are more likely to have deadly force used against them. Let me give you the background of that. According to the analysis of the police reports, black subjects were deemed to present a deadly threat to police officers slightly more often than whites. But when faced with the white subject deemed to present a deadly threat, officers used lethal force in just 28% of those cases. Meanwhile, cops fired upon black suspects or subjects at a rate of 43% for a similar offense, okay? Now, let me also highlight the low success rate and cops solving actual crimes. The data shows very clearly once again, that consistently over the decades, fewer than half of serious crimes are reported to the police. Few, if any arrests are made in those cases. In reality, about 11% of all serious crimes result in an arrest and about 2% in, in a conviction. Therefore, the number of people police hold accountable for crimes what I call the criminal uh, the criminal accountability rate is extremely low. All right. You know, there are multiple crimes that white people in general commit more so than any other race. Crimes against co-workers, crimes against property, and crimes against children, etc. I'm not saying that to besmirch my white brothers and sisters. I'm doing that to help people understand this whole misnomer about black on black crime is actually a narrative, a contrary narrative in itself, as if somehow blackness or black people or being black has something to do with the criminality. It does not, it does not, all right? So we have this propaganda video that conservatives are celebrating. We are calling out the actual truth in reference to what this video purports. And we are providing context to the numbers. Now we hope this is helpful. When people see this video, they can see the contrast of this commentary. Attorney, what are your thoughts here? Uh, they were doing exactly as you described. They're trying to manipulate the thought process of seeing individuals who are largely black by citing cities that are generally associated with black people, uh, Chicago, New York City, so on and so forth. They're doing this because they're trying to send a subliminal message that black people are criminals. And this thought of uh, having anybody who's remotely progressive in a position of power or who has a higher melanin count or any form or fashion, or also who may not be a Christian or follow Following some kind of normative thought of this cis heteronormative Christian, uh, you know, kind of dominant party in our in our country. It just it was just so blatant everything they were doing and saying, and it's it's absolutely pathetic. It just is furthering racism, and that's exactly what they're seeking here. Yep, that's it. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Uh, let me remind everyone of the watch list, all right? The watch list, make sure you add the watch list, your watch list. Join J.R. Jackson live weekdays, 12 p.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Watch live daily and subscribe at youtube.com forward slash watch list, T-Y-T. Next, T-Y-T reporter says, "Oh yeah, that mental issue of white supremacy, right, question mark. Warlock says, I am also skeptical of the meth angle. Sounds like an excuse to be lenient lenient instead of lawfully fair. Yep. Um, 
Craig Crisoufle says, geez, I feel like I just watched an awful racist segment of Outer Limits. SHBR, um, thank you for that, by the way. Thanks for all this great content is how I stay informed. Regular news is a little tainted to me. Thank you for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you again, C. Michael. C. Michael Henson says, Dr. Rich, I believe the fix is already in with this racist man attacking the FedEx driver. I first had my suspicions when I saw the doorbell camera footage and the suspect's face was blurred. Hmm. Yeah. Aaron Easton, they missed plenty of January 6th footage talking about citizens for sanity. Ridiculous commercial. All right, California cops, California cops under investigation because they decided to create a bloody takedown because of an ordinance violation. Here it is. This man, he ends up pushing his head into the concrete. Now remember, this individual was only standing in order to comply. They said, give us your ID. Well, he needed to stand in order to give them his ID to properly retrieve it from his pocket. He made that clear. Here's what else happened. Skin folk ain't your kin folk, as we say. Let's put up the picture of one officer. Let me go ahead and give you some background to this. It actually happened on the evening of July 27th when a San Rafael officer, Daisy Maza Riegos, confronted the victim, Mateo. Mateo and two other men were drinking beers after work. The area and industrial section of the Windward Way is commonly where day laborers come together to socialize, okay? They don't harm anybody. They actually go there because they don't wanna be loud at their apartment complex when they're talking to each other and having a drink after work. Mateo far left is a popular county gardener. He explains to the officer that he and his friends come to the area 
so they don't disturb his neighbors at the apartment complex who may complain of noise. As you saw, is after the initial officer asked for their IDs that things get tense because of this guy, Officer Brandon Nails attitude. So here's what's happening. One officer says, give me your ID, so he stands up. The other officer says, sit down. And all of a sudden it becomes about everything but the law here. It becomes about ego, it becomes an issue of status, putting somebody in their place, abusing your authority, everything but the law. It is worth noting, let's put his picture back up. Nail is six feet tall, 250 pounds, where Mateo is five feet tall and 130 pounds. When the officers lose their temper with Mr. Mateo from his body cam, Officer Nail forces Mateo to the ground over beer bottles. An open container punches him in the nose and pushes his face into the rough pavement. You see those pictures, we got the exact screenshot. That's not policy, what that cop is doing. The rest of the footage via transcript shows the varying responses and attitudes the two officers gave over the incident. After the officers loaded Mateo into the patrol car, um, Officer Maza Riegos in the car door slams. They discussed what happened with paramedics. Unidentified firefighter says, what happened? Was it a fight? The officer says, um, uncooperative. So we took him down to the ground. Their colleagues, Officer Nail says, his face is blown up. Unidentified cop says, what's that? Officer Nail says, <laughs> he had a bad day. And their supervisors, unidentified supervisor comes and says, how you doing? Officer Maza Riegos got out of hand and then laughs. The unidentified supervisor says, okay, you need anything? The officer says, no, I'm good. Below is what a sergeant says as he walks away from Officer Nail. The sergeant who's unidentified says, you're giving me a great experience with use of force, dude. That's what he said. More than 20 minutes after he injured Mateo, Officer Nail walks to the patrol car, snaps a picture and argues with them. What do you think he's using the picture for? That's his trophy, snaps a picture. A sergeant already assigned other officers to take evidence, photographs and Mateo's attorney wonders if this picture was some sort of trophy as I just explained. Later, Officer Nail wrote in his police report that Mateo, and I quote, reached his right arm around the back of my neck and started to squeeze in an attempt to put me in a headlock. Adding, he began to swing his right hand at my head, striking me several times on the left side and back of my head. None of that happened, none of that happened, not a bit of it. The cop who lied on the police report has now committed a felony offense. Has he been arrested? No. Has he been charged? No. But Officer Nail's report convinced the Marin County District Attorney to file a felony resisting arrest charge against Mr. Mateo and three misdemeanors. 
The defense attorney explains that the DA filed those charges and set a prelim hearing date without viewing the body cam. Now the charges have been dropped. Uh, let's put up the pictures of the chief. You got Chief David Spiller declined to speak on Officer Nell's record for ABC 7 News. Media officer Lieutenant Scott Eberly initially told ABC 7 the officers remained on active duty on Friday. However, also last Friday, he later informed KTVU Fox 2, the two officers were placed on paid leave. The female officer has been an officer for two years. Nail has been an officer for three. All right, so here's the thing. You see, Mateo, the person that you assaulted, he does have a community supporting him. This is part of it. And so we are exposing not only you, but also the ridiculous aspect of this man being charged contrary to the video evidence presented. I'll be damned. Now, hopefully this is a lesson for those who are in law enforcement. But let's be very clear. If it had not been for media getting a hold of this story, if it had not been for the local affiliate of ABC continuing to press the issue, those cops will still be on active duty. Those cops will still be free to harass others in the community. Mr. Mateo never should have experienced this. This is doing a disservice to all cops in this country. You gotta get rid of your bad actors among you. Because if you do not, the divide between cop and community will grow. All right, Adrian, thoughts on this? You know, if that department at all cared about justice, if it cared about its people and its community, it would have already done away with those cops, gone yeah. ahead and let them go because it's clear and evident without question that they were looking to harass someone, that they were willing to lie to do whatever they could to take advantage of this man, assuming that no one would be able to stand up for him, that he wouldn't have any kind of resources to challenge or push back. They were taking advantage of an individual and violating their civil rights and doing so without batting an eye. This is who they are and they will continue to do this in the event that they are allowed to continue to be law enforcement officers. To everyone watching, one of the greatest things you can do for your local community is make sure they have a strong citizens review board with subpoena power to over to watch over law enforcement activity. All right, we need those more than ever. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Hey, come here. Take your hands out of your pocket, bro. Take your hands out of your pocket, bro. The individual was unarmed, okay? The cop literally said, This person is unarmed, does not have a gun. It is not a gun, period. Hey, drop it! What is Bro, you said that's how it Huh? Hey, drop it! Drop! So that's what happened in this situation. 
Um, let me give some background to this story. It's fascinating that as it stands, uh, the police officers have not been arrested um, for this incident. Uh, according to the uh, poster of this video, uh, the individual, let's put him up. Jermaine Petit, 39, was handcuffed at the scene, taken to the hospital, is now in stable condition. He's an unsheltered individual, he is expected to survive. He was later arrested on two outstanding felony warrants for resisting an officer and assault with a weapon. The video was released Thursday, more than a month after this man was shot and injured as he was running away. So let me show you the object that he had. Let me show you the object he had. The video was released on Thursday, once again, more than a month after the incident. The object that the cop identified as not a gun, said not a gun, was a six inch black metallic latch actuator, which is used on cars, was recovered from the scene. So on July 20th, police requested the DA to charge Mr. Petit with two counts of brandishing a replica firearm. Now need I remind you, the cop said no weapon, there's no gun here and still shot him. So that case is still pending. The LAPD identified the officers who fired as Sergeant Brett Hayo and Officer Daryl Glover, who was pictured here. As we are unable to locate a photo of Hayo, here is the LAPD chief, Michael Moore. The shooting stemmed from 911 calls on July 11th, reporting a man who was possibly armed with a handgun. And one call, a male caller tells the dispatcher that a black transient man brandished a black handgun after the caller told them, uh, told the man to leave. After spotting Petit walking down the sidewalk, two officers exited their vehicles with their guns drawn and ordered him to stop according to the body camera. So let's go to the captain. Uh, this was Captain Kelly, this is Captain Kelly Munez, a police spokesperson, said that the officers told Petit to stop multiple times. Um, however, Petit refused to comply with the officer's commands and instead continued to walk away. The officers followed Petit on foot. He turned toward them multiple times while pointing a black metallic object. Now they're saying still it was believed to be a firearm. But in the video, it is clear the officer says there is not a gun, he doesn't have a gun. So even after they clearly conclude he has no gun on him, they still shoot him as he's fleeing. They are still saying, well, maybe he had a gun. All right, so we're gonna to continue to follow this story. It's um, unbelievable, but believable, tragic, should not have happened. Um, Adrian, thoughts here. It's really mesmerizing to me how so many of us black people are literally born with guns attached to our being in some way. It's like we have an extra appendage. It's just, it's it's absolutely fanciful and and completely wrong for them to know that he doesn't have a gun and that he wasn't carrying a gun yet to try to incite these charges based on being armed. It continues to show us why we need to monitor and record law enforcement because they cannot be trusted.
Well said, always a pleasure, dear sister, having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Uh, you can catch me on Rebel HQ, which is on Facebook and YouTube. I'm on Instagram at Adrian Lawrence and on Twitter at Adrian Law. All right, there it is. Okay, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.